0: Pieces of the special grand jury report were just released, and here is the explosive takeaway.
1: Um, explosive? I don't think I'd call it explosive. Interesting. Explosive, though? Well, I
2: don't I came here tonight. Unless I'm wrong. I got the feeling that something right. It's happened to I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair.
1: Not recently, but you
2: know I will get down the stairs. Clowns to the left. Me. jokers to the right here i am stuck in the middle with you i am from Pacifica
1: Radio in Los Angeles this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA also in California, in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI and Round Mountains KKRN. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's Queso, Eugene's KEPW, Lanchester, Pennsylvania's W News, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ, Down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the internets. On the Progressive Voices channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, uh, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdon Square, Radio Detour Talk, and most of your favorite podcast sites, Blanketing Planet Earth. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me from Bradblog.com, where we are now in our 20th year of troublemaking and muckraking. Thank you very much for joining us for, I don't know, Desi Doyen, if it's an explosive uh, uh, show today. (laughs)
0: Well, hopefully not explosive show.
1: Well, uh, explosive news is how it was described by that uh, news person, whoever that was, describing what happened today. Explosive? I don't know. But yes, uh, certainly interesting. We'll have a guest here to join us uh, in a bit to discuss all of this, as we reported a few days ago. This week, we marked the second anniversary of the bipartisan 57 to 43 majority vote of U.S. senators who found Donald Trump guilty of inciting an insurrection at the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021, after his historic second impeachment trial in February of that year. And though a majority of U.S. senators, including all the Democrats and all the independents and seven Republicans, found him guilty, the U.S. Constitution requires a two thirds majority vote in the U.S. Senate to convict under the U.S. Constitution's impeachment clause. That, of course, was just the first actual attempt at accountability for Donald Trump's many attempts to steal the 2020 election. We spent some time on yesterday's broadcast with journalist Marcy Wheeler of Empty Wheel discussing the ongoing attempts at the federal level under the supervision of Special Counsel Jack Smith and a federal grand jury or two, actually, to uh, probe and hopefully bring federal felony indictments for Donald Trump's efforts to among other things, steal the 2020 election before and on and perhaps after January 6th of 2021. It is, uh, if you heard the show, uh, it is a sprawling conspiracy case, which uh, being put together by uh, Jack Smith, even though it now seems to be uh, picking up speed, it may still take a while to cross all the T's, dot all the I's before federal criminal charges against a former U.S. president can be brought if in fact they are for what would be the very first time. But. As you know, that is not the only legal body pursuing such potential felony charges against the disgraced former president in Georgia. As we have been reporting now since early 2021, Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis in Atlanta has been investigating similar charges as they pertain to Trump's attempts to strong arm state officials into changing the results of the election, which Joe Biden was found to have won in Georgia by about 12,000 votes. He had uh, Donald Trump had tried to uh, strong arm those officials into naming him the winner instead of Joe Biden. In other words, he and a whole bunch of his allies, folks like Rudy Giuliani, Trump's then chief of staff, Mark Meadows, even South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham attempted to pressure officials in Georgia to change the results of a lawful election, which, by the way, is a felony in Georgia. And as District Attorney Willis has since been exploring, it's a potential conspiracy crime under the state's expansive racketeering uh, or or RICO laws that could add a whole bunch of years to any sentencing if, in fact, she does indict these people. And in fact, they are convicted and charged uh, and found guilty uh, of these crimes to help her in that effort. Fonnie Willis convened what is known in Georgia as a special purpose grand jury. Such special grand juries are rarely used in the Peach State and do not have the power to issue indictments themselves, unlike a regular grand jury. But they do have the power to make recommendations to prosecutors as to whether indictments should be brought in their opinion. When used, it, it it is usually only on cases that would require a longer investigation than a normal uh, grand jury. Special grand juries in Georgia can be convened, I believe, for as long as a year. In this case, Willis convened her special purpose grand jury last May. They heard from more than 75 witnesses. They deliberate, uh, deliberated for about seven months before finally issuing a final report to the uh, district attorney and to the Fulton County Superior Court, including their recommendations for who should or should not be indicted. As uh, Fulton County Superior Court Judge Robert McBurney explained during his order earlier this week, to in which he called for the release of a partial version of the grand jury's report, the report, quote, provided the district attorney with Exactly what she requested, a roster of who should or should not be indicted and for what in relation to the conduct and aftermath of the 2020 general election in Georgia. As noted, the special grand jury did not have the power to issue indictments, and it will ultimately be up to Willis to decide whether to seek indictments from a regular grand jury. But during the court hearing about three weeks ago on whether to release this document or not at all, Uh, Willis, who opposed the motion from a number of media organizations to release the report in full, she explained her reasons for asking the judge at the time to wait before releasing the
0: report. We think for future defendants to be treated fairly, it's not appropriate at this time to have this report released. I, as the elected district attorney, have made several commitments to the public understanding the public interest around this case. At this time, in the interest of justice and the rights of not the state but others, we are asking that the report not be released because you haven't seen that report, decisions are imminent
1: decisions are imminent she said that was back on january 24 of this year about 3 weeks ago presumably those charging decisions are still imminent even if they are not yet here judge mcburney wrote in his order on monday to release a partial version of the report that special grand jury that the special grand jury's mission was quote a one-sided exploration Uh, There was, quote, very limited due process for people who for whom the grand jurors recommended charges. uh, And he uh, correctly explained that it it wasn't meant as a a slight against this process at all. It's not unusual for this to be a one sided exploration. It's the way the grand juries work. Prosecutors present their case and those potentially to be indicted uh, do not get to offer their defense. Some potential defendants in this case may have not even had the opportunity to appear at all before the panel. And those who did appear did not have the right to have their lawyers present or to offer any rebuttal. They just had to show up and answer questions. So for that reason, the judge concluded it was not yet appropriate to release the full report at this time. Of course, Fonnie Willis and her team began investigating two years ago, shortly after the release of a recording of the now infamous January 2, 2021 phone call between Trump and Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, a Republican, in which the then-president is heard sort of attempting to muscle Raffensperger, a a fellow Republican, to, quote, find the votes needed to reverse the results of the election in Georgia, which Trump had lost to Biden. And you sort of hear him menacingly threatening both uh, Raffensperger and his attorney, who was also on the call, with legal action at the time.
3: I just want to find uh, 11,780 votes, which is one more that we have. I only need 11,000 votes. Fellas, I need 11,000 votes. Give me a break. You know what they did and you're not reporting it. That's a, you know, that's a, criminal, that's a criminal offense. And, and you, know, you can't let that happen. That's, that's a big risk to you and to Ryan, your lawyer. That's a big risk. So tell me, Brad, what are we going to do? We won the election and it's not fair to take it away from us like this. And it's going to be very costly in many ways. And I think you have to say that you're going to re-examine it.
1: (laughs) Costly to who, Mr. Now-Former-President? Uh, since then, the uh, scope of the investigation by the Atlanta prosecutor has broadened considerably, as reported by Kate Brumbach of AP. She has, by the way, been very uh, had very good coverage of these related matters over the past year or two. The special grand jury operated behind closed doors, she notes, as required by law. But public court filings and hearings related to its work provide a window into some of the topics that Will, uh, Willis has been exploring. Those include... Phone calls by Trump and others to Georgia officials in the wake of the 2020 election, a group of 16 Georgia Republicans, including the chair of the state Republican Party and the state's current lieutenant governor who all signed a certificate in December of 2020, falsely stating that Donald Trump had won the state of Georgia and that they were the state's, quote, duly elected and qualified electors, when in fact they were not. She's also said to be looking into false allegations of election fraud made during meetings of state legislators at the Georgia Capitol in December of 2020, which you may remember Rudy Giuliani was leading at the time, or I should say misleading at the time. She's believed to be looking at alleged attempts to pressure Fulton County election workers, Ruby Freeman, uh, worker Ruby Freeman into falsely confessing uh, to election fraud, she and her daughter, Shay Moss, also an election worker in uh, Fulton County, were unmercifully harassed and threatened by Trump supporters after Trump and Giuliani and others repeatedly and falsely claimed that those two women had committed fraud during the vote counting at Atlanta State Farm Arena. They were mentioned by name over and over again by Trump and Giuliani. Willis is also said to be looking into the abrupt resignation of the U.S. attorney in Atlanta in January of 2021 and something that we have been following very closely on this program for the past year or so. After one of our regular guests, Marilyn Marks of the Coalition of Good Governance, shared with us the audio of a phone call that she received from one of the Trumpers essentially confessing to this crime, the secret copying of data and software from election equipment. In rural Coffee County, by a uh, computer forensics team that was hired by Trump's allies. Uh, here's a, a bit of that phone call from Atlanta businessman Scott Hall to Marilyn Marks back in 2021.
0: You know, I'm the guy that chartered the jet
3: to go down to Coffee County to have them inspect all of those computers. I went down there, we scanned every freaking ballot. You know, the same people that went up to Michigan, okay, and did all that forensic stuff on the computers, and they sent their team down to Coffee County, Georgia, and they scanned all the equipment, imaged all the hard drives, and scanned every single ballot.
2: They imaged the hard drives? Yes. How in the world did you get permission to do that?
3: We basically had the entire elections committee there. Okay. And they said, we give you permission. Go for it.
1: <laughs> the entire GOP Majority Elections Commission in rural Republican leaning Coffee County, Georgia,
3: invited
1: these folks. Uh, As we have since learned, uh, they were paid by Trump lawyer Sidney Powell to make copies of 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 all of this proprietary voting system software, a whole lot of criming going down, going on down in Georgia which Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis has been looking into. Uh, you know. So what from all of that would we learn uh, from the release of a partial version of the special grand jury's report as Judge McBurney or, uh, ordered earlier this week? Until today, that was unknown. McBurney had ordered the introduction, the conclusion, and one single section of the panel's report to be released today, noting that none of these portions identified anyone by name which he agreed with Fonnie Willis would be unfair to them if they were later indicted, or I I suppose even if they weren't. The five-page excerpt made public on Thursday reveals that a majority of the grand jury concluded that some witnesses may have lied under oath during the testimony before the panel and recommended charges uh, be filed. The grand jury, however, does not identify Who those witnesses were who lied in this unsealed excerpt. And I'm not sure, uh, you know, charging that anyone of this (laughs) motley group who was uh, called in before the special grand jury uh, knew that any of them actually lied. I'm just not sure that's explosive at this point. (laughs) Given yeah, that I think at we kind of figured as much. One of them was Rudy Giuliani. Anyway, uh, in in fact, what was unsealed was short enough that I can share actually most of it with you before we will be joined by our guest for a bit of analysis here uh, from the introduction. The uh, grand jury consisted of 26 Fulton County residents, three of whom were alternates on any day testimony was was received or deliberations were held. The number of jurors present ranged from 16 to 24 as availability allowed. Pursuant to statute, if we had uh, our needed quorum of 16 jurors present, we could do business with that. The grand jury was impaneled, they note to investigate a specific issue, the facts and circumstances relating directly or indirectly to possible attempts to disrupt the lawful administration of the 2020 presidential election in the state of Georgia. This grand jury was selected on May of 2022 and first heard evidence June 1st, 2022, continued to hear evidence and receive information into December of 2022, they note the grand jury received evidence from or involved 75 witnesses during the course of the investigation, the overwhelming majority of which information was delivered in person under oath. They note that they also received uh, information in the form of investigator testimony and in various forms of digital and physical media Any recommendation they note set out herein is the sole conclusion of the grand jury based on testimony presented, facts received and their deliberations. Following in the uh, introduction, they say following is the final report of the special grand jury. We set forth for the court our recommendations on indictments and relevant statutes, including the votes by the grand jurors, including the votes respective to each topic indicated in a yay, nay, abstain format. Throughout. The total number of grand jurors who placed a vote on each topic has been indicated in each section. Footnotes added in certain places where a juror requested the opportunity to clarify their votes for any reason. The grand jury heard extensive testimony, they say, on the subject of alleged fraud from poll workers, investigators, technical experts, and state of Georgia employees and officials, as well as from persons still claiming still claiming that such fraud took place. They said uh, they conclude the introduction by saying we find by a unanimous vote that no widespread fraud took place in the Georgia 2020 presidential election that could result in overturning that election. Now, as we reported uh, earlier in the week, Washington Post published an exclusive report over the weekend finding that Trump's own campaign secretly paid some $600,000 to a firm called Berkeley Research Group following the uh, November 2020 election. They were tasked with investigating any and all possible cases of fraud, anomalies, uh, you know, statistical patterns that just didn't look right, any errors. In six key swing states, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Arizona, Nevada, and, yes, Georgia. One of the sources explained to the Post, they looked at everything. Change of addresses, illegal immigrants, ballot harvesting, people voting twice, machines being tampered with, ballots that were sent to vacant addresses. Literally anything you could think of, the source said. Voter turnout anomalies, date of birth anomalies, whether dead people voted, Anything under the sun, the source said, they looked at it. And guess what? You'll be shocked to learn they found nothing. As the group told Trump during a conference call in December of 2020, they found nothing. No evidence that the election results in any of the states that they looked at were wrong in any way that might have changed the ultimate certified winner of those states, who, by the way, was Joe Biden in every single instance. So Donald Trump knew all of that. He knew all of that from his own $600,000 report, which was never released to the public. He knew all of that from his own White House attorneys. He knew all of that from even his own corrupt, wildly corrupt attorney general, Bill Barr. That there was no evidence of fraud that would have changed the results of the election. And yet he went out on January 6th and lied again about fraud to his armed supporters who, and yes, he also knew that they were armed, his armed supporter at the Ellipse on January 6th and instructed them to march down to the Capitol and fight like hell, which they did, some of them losing their lives in the process. So the special grand jury in Fulton County concluded their introduction by I guess at this point, repeating the obvious, we find by a unanimous vote that no widespread fraud took place in the Georgia 2020 presidential election that could result in overturning that election. That's the introduction uh, from this thing. Then the one section that uh, the judge also said, other than the conclusion, the one section the judge said could be uh, released is literally two sentences long. It is... Uh, section number eight, quote, a majority of the grand jury believes that perjury may have been committed by one or more witnesses testifying before it. The grand jury recommends that the district attorney seek appropriate indictments for such crimes where the evidence is compelling. Finally, the conclusion and again, very short The conclusion reads, the grand jury wishes to acknowledge the hardworking attorneys and staff of the Fulton County District Attorney's Office. Any legal errors contained in this report should not be laid at their feet, however, because that office had nothing to do with the recommendations contained herein. This grand jury contained no election law experts or criminal lawyers. The majority of this grand jury used their collective best efforts, however, to attend every session, Listen to every witness and attempt to understand the facts as presented and the laws as explained. And it is signed this 15th day of December 2022. So that's it. That's what we have. uh, That's what was released on uh, on Thursday. I don't know if that's. Considered explosive or not Well I wouldn't
0: consider it explosive If you've been paying attention Or especially listening to this show Because you kind of have an idea of what to expect But you know corporate media, they gotta—they got to sell some clicks and I was going to say, eyeballs. you're just trying
1: to cover for that news lady. That's all. <laughs> you feel bad for her.
0: She does have to uh, have to get some eyeballs on the work that she's well, doing. We so. will find it's out. explosive!
1: We will find out if, in fact, it is explosive. Let's take a quick break, and we will be joined by attorney and legal commenter Keith Barber, who I know has been keenly awaiting today's release. By the way, also today, Desi, uh, you'll have your latest Green News report, yep. and if time allows, we'll have some additional thoughts on that horrible chemical train derailment in Ohio, which, oddly enough, Republicans have suddenly decided they give a damn about for some reason. We'll discuss that uh, and more on uh, today's Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. Hey, this is Brad. Please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is supporting you and the things that you care about. Most, just like us, do not receive corporate or political support. We all need your support to counter the powerful corporate media echo chamber. Right now, as much as ever. If you choose to support us, you can do it really easily, safely and quickly via brandblog.com slash donate from Desi Doyen and myself. Thank you. Ready or not, can hide. Gonna find you and make you yeah. want me. Ready or not. Funny Willis's theme song? I maybe. don't know. Maybe. Welcome back to the broadcast, Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. A uh, Georgia judge has released parts of a report now produced by an Atlanta area special grand jury investigating efforts by Donald Trump and friends to overturn. His 2020 election loss in Georgia, though the panel's recommendation on potential charges, remains secret. The five-page excerpt made public on Thursday revealed that a majority of the grand jury concluded that some witnesses may have lied under oath during their testimony before the panel. They recommended charges be filed. There may have been much more that was not released, as far as recommendations for charging. But that's what we know, that one section about lying under oath. The grand jury did not identify those witnesses who did that in the excerpts that were unsealed on Thursday by order of Fulton County Superior Court Judge Robert McBurney. He's overseeing Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis and her uh, apparent or potentially conspiracy probe of Team Trump's attempt to steal the 2020 election in Georgia. Quote, a majority of the grand jury believes that perjury may have been committed by one or more witnesses testifying before it, says the uh, one section that was partially released. The grand jury recommends that the district attorney seek appropriate indictments for such crimes where the evidence is compelling. Joining us now is someone who I know has been eagerly awaiting the release of the special grand jury report and has been counting the days Since Willis told uh, Judge McBurney three weeks ago that charging decisions were, quote, imminent when she asked him at the time to not release at least the full report, formerly a frequent Daily Coast contributor on legal and constitutional matters known there as Keith D.B., Keith Barber is also a former U.S. Army captain, longtime now retired attorney and even a lifelong Republican. At least he was pre-Trump, as he describes it. He now writes on legal and constitutional matters at Medium. Counselor Barber, welcome back to the broadcast, sir. Thank you, Brad. Let's uh, start with your uh, top-line takeaways from the partially released report today and what it may uh, or may not tell us about who the uh, special special purpose grand jury may have recommended for indictment.
3: Well, actually, I think the biggest hint of that and the biggest hint uh, that it likely includes Trump, was in the judge's decision ordering the release. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, And in that decision, the judge expressed special concern, if you will, for the due process rights of potential defendants who did not, have an opportunity to testify, ah.
2: testify
3: before the grand jury. And as we know, a whole lot of people testified to uh-huh. Rudy Giuliani and Lindsey Graham and, and, and many more is the one who did not uh. have an opportunity to testify. He was never asked to is Donald Trump.
2: Yes. Good catch.
3: So, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, I caught that when I read the, the uh, order, uh, just a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. And, and then, um, That well isn't that interesting. It certainly doesn't prove it, and nothing that came out today proved anything about anybody.
2: (laughs) Uh, Right,
1: right.
3: Uh, At least by name. But um, I mean, it's interesting that they found people committed perjury. It's hardly surprising considering the record of lying on this. Uh, If if they're charged with perjury, I think that there's a good chance uh, they'll also be charged with something else because you know, they didn't lie uh, to protect the, the truth of their innocence.
2: <laughs> mm. Yeah, okay. You
3: know, so that there'll be something else they could probably be charged with in addition to perjury uh, for any that, that might face that. But no, uh, I guess beyond that, I think one of the things that did surprise me about the report was how short it was. Mm-hmm. You know, a total of nine pages, of which we got to see about three.
2: Uh, right. Leaving
3: that are hidden and as a baseline to that i went back to a special grand jury report in 2012 for DeKalb county it had to do with bribery and county contracts and stuff like that right involved a guy by the name of vernon jones down there mm-hmm. uh, who's a, a republican uh who's uh, suffered as a consequence of his involvement in in that scandal but uh, that grand jury report was eighty pages long, right? And it recommended one indictment.
1: Uh, well, it recommended one indictment. It recommended a whole bunch of other people who uh, should be brought in for more questioning and so forth. You were, and you were very smart, by the way, Keith. To uh, you shared that with me last night, that DeKalb County special grand jury report from 2012. And to compare that to this one, it was surprising. That one, I think, was actually 83 pages in full. This one, nine pages. But I have I have a theory about this. Uh, You're right. Judge McBurney described uh, the full report as including a Ross, quote, roster of people that, uh, you know, the grand jury may have recommended should or shouldn't be indicted. So, does this suggest, before I give you my theory, does it suggest that they did not uh, recommend indictments for a lot of people, as you see? No, it?
3: I think they did. It just isn't spelled out in detail in that nine pages of that report. Hmm. I think that the remaining nine pages of that report are what's suggested in the introduction to the report itself. the The roster, if you will, of those who should be indicted and those who should not be indicted, along with a, a statement of what the voting totals were for the grand jury uh, for each person mm-hmm. on each issue. Uh, you know, So I think it almost looked kind of like a spreadsheet, you know, well, <laughs> when, when we see it, and, you know, with, you know, a name recommended for indictment, yes, vote, you know, mm-hmm. 22 to 1, and the following statute.
1: Well, but there was even, uh, they note that some of the grand jurors uh, added footnotes to include their explanation for why they voted one way or another. That's a lot more than nine pages, uh, Keith. Here is my theory, and feel free to shoot it down. My theory, the list of people to be indicted or not indicted and their votes and so forth are in an appendix. That comes no, that after the conclusion. You're an attorney. Could that be true? That it was. It's an That's extra absolutely thing. Absolutely,
3: that could be true. And in fact, we see, you know, one of the documents here is Exhibit B uh, to Order of sixteen February twenty three, and and so forth. And uh, there's probably Exhibit A, mm-hmm. and uh, and we, in fact, mm-hmm. attached to this document as Appendix A is a complete set of Georgia statutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, We see that, Mm -hmm. and there could be more appendices that we just don't see yet. And that's another possibility, too. Okay. That's not the format that was used by the DeSalle County Jury. Right. But they wouldn't have to follow that format.
1: They wouldn't, and actually it it does not, I was sort of expecting the format, a similar font, you know, the same kind of bullet points, but this had a different font. This looks very different. So, uh, you know, it seems to me that it could be an exhibit that is added in an appendix. Keith Barber, Washington Post reports, uh, quote, at least 18 people have been notified that they are targets of the election interference investigation according to court documents and Statements from a ter- from their attorneys. That list includes uh, Giulia- Rudy Giuliani, who was serving as Trump's lawyer at the time, and all of the alternate Republican electors, the fake electors. A group they note that includes David Schaefer, the chair of the Georgia Republican Party. Well, there were 16 fake electors, Keith, plus Giuliani. That's 17. We know that he was told he's a target. If at least 18 people have been notified they are targets, then who's the 18th? Well, the, rep- the Post reports uh, that last month Trump's Georgia legal team released a statement noting, quote, We have never been a part of this process, but they did not respond when they were asked whether Trump had been given notice that he is a target of the investigation. What do you take from that? Does that support your uh, your earlier uh, uh, theory regarding that? Yeah,
3: uh, well, I think that Trump, Trump is a target of it. Uh, targets are often not invited to come testify, mm-hmm. uh, at least in, particularly in the federal grand jury level. I mean, maybe Georgia does things differently, but
2: mm-hmm.
3: there's kind of a, a perspective of there's not much point to bringing... A target in because the word target means we expect to indict you.
2: Uh-huh.
3: I mean, you know, it's we just need to cross the Ts and dot the Is, and then you're going to be indicted. Is what target normally means. Mm-hmm. You know, unless along the way we find something that we don't expect to find mm-hmm.
2: uh,
3: that that would cause us to change our mind.
2: Mm-hmm. But and so know, why, why wouldn't they call in the
3: distinction between target and subject and witness? But you know, at that top level of target. Uh, It's time to lawyer up. Uh, You're probably going to be charged.
1: And why wouldn't they call in uh, Donald Trump to give him at least the opportunity to uh, defend himself, as you see it?
3: Uh, Probably because they knew it would uh, extend the time of the grand jury beyond what they had. And, And because they know they're just going to indict him anyway.
1: So, as you've been noting on uh, Twitter each day, Keith, uh, Willis, uh, D.A. Willis, described her charging decision as, quote, imminent. That was now three weeks ago. Uh, I'm wondering, can we take anything from that? Is that longer than you, as an attorney, might uh, see as imminent? If so, uh, well, what do you suspect is taking so long at this point?
3: I've got a couple of theories. You know, I don't know. Uh, One theory is, is that the the, you know, the brevity of this special grand jury report in not detailing the facts and evidence for the potentially dozens of people that it recommends indictments mm-hmm. on uh, means that, you know, Fannie Willis has to do that to the regular grand jury uh, for all of them, um, and, and that that just, you know, for dozens of people can take a while.
1: That she's taking, uh, because another, she's got to go to get the recommendations from the, from the regular grand jury, she's going one by one to the regular grand jury to make the case for all of those people, if, and that takes know, a while. got to have
3: a basis gotcha. to do that. Another yep. possibility, by the way, is is that maybe it's not one by one. Fonnie Willis is known to uh, be a big fan of the Georgia Rico statute, mm-hmm. and has used it in the past, mm-hmm. and she might be lining up everybody under the umbrella of Rico, arguing that even if, and RICO allows for this, that even if they didn't, you know, individually conspire with each other, they were all part of the same criminal scheme or enterprise. Yeah. And, you know, lining up all of that uh, for a, a mega RICO indictment, it also takes, you know, a fair amount of time. So I don't, you know, mm. I don't know. We'll see what happens as, uh, as, as imminence drags on. Yes.
1: Well, I will uh, add that RICO or racketeering, if if they add that uh, uh, to this, if it becomes a, a, a conspiracy, essentially, um, it could add around 20 years or so, potentially, to the charges that Donald Trump or whoever may be indicted and charged with. Um, one of the reasons that this case is critical Uh, Keith Barber, is because while the federal cases overseen by Special Counsel Jack Smith are obviously critical as well, if Trump is found guilty on one or more of those charges at the federal level, he could be pardoned by the next Republican president. But that does not get him off the hook for any state charges, especially in Georgia, correct?
3: That is correct. I was really, really surprised to see how very restrictive Georgia's constitution and statutes are on pardoning, I just assume that, like most states, that the governor could pardon on the state level. Mm -hmm. That's not true in Georgia. The uh, governor constitutionally is... is, The pardon power is completely removed from him. Uh, The pardon power by statute goes to a... um, Basically a committee, a five-person committee appointed Mm -hmm. by the governor... Mm -hmm. Uh, and even their ability to pardon is basically they can't pardon anybody until after they've served their time. It's, so <laughs> I mean, it's pretty pardon in Georgia is pretty meaningless. The
1: part even uh, unless even,
3: you're on death row, and then the pardon committee can commute to life. Uh, so,
1: <laughs> that's about it. So a death sentence can be changed to life, but that's it. Even with a Republican governor, uh, Governor Brian Kemp there in office, uh, if he is charged, if Donald Trump is charged and convicted in the uh, in the state of Georgia, there may be no way out for him. Very sad.
3: But, you know, and, and Kemp gets to say, I just can't
1: do it. Yep. And 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 they can't change the law.
3: They can't change
1: they can't change the law either because that's in the constitution, as I understand it, in the state of Georgia.
3: But Kemp gets to say, you know, if I could do it, I would do it.
1: Yep. Bottom bottom line, Keith. uh, I guess I got to get out. Does does this partially released report? explosive or otherwise does it leave you uh, more or less convinced that uh, criminal charges are in fact coming in Georgia against the former president than you were before the release?
3: Um, the report doesn't the, the report doesn't do anything itself for me. The, the little hint by the judge mm-hmm. ordering the release of the port uh, definitely nudges me into believing that the president is likely to be charged in this matter
1: so sad Keith Barber can be found at uh, writing over at medium these days a lot of our listeners at daily Coast may remember him as Keith DB he is now Keith DB dot if you'd like to read what he's up to you can also find him on the Twitters at Keith. DB80 Keith DB80, uh, where he, by the way, uh, does a wildly enjoyable uh, job of responding to crazy people, crazy right wingers, <laughs> damn near every day on Twitter. I enjoy that. Keith, didn't know if you know that I'm watching.
3: Uh, you know, we have to do something in retirement.
1: There you go. Thank you, brother. I really appreciate everything. Uh, stay in touch as all of this moves forward. What a world. Thanks Keith.
3: Thank you Brad. Have a good day. Thank you.
1: Okay, let's take a uh, What quick... I had
0: a quick note. Yes. So something that you guys said jumped yep. out at me that yep. the Georgia Constitution prohibits the governor from pardoning people. Correct. And yeah. I think that there is probably some really interesting history behind the evolution <laughs> yes. of that particular restriction. It means somebody did something that everybody was really mad about. Yeah. Was it you Know racist based was a governor uh, it's arguing Georgia. a black person, or yeah, who yeah,
1: knows? yeah, it's Georgia, yeah. You can uh, pretty much bet your bottom dollar it was race based in some fashion. <laughs> I don't know the history, I don't either. But it would but be interesting, interesting to look. yeah. Well, maybe we'll have cause to look into that in the near future. I hope we do. <laughs> All right, quick break, and we're back with Desi Doyne in the Green News Report and some additional thoughts on this really bizarre response we are suddenly seeing from right-wingers concerning this Ohio chemical train derailment. That's all straight ahead on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Okay, welcome back to the Brandcast. Brad Friedman from brandblog.com. Something uh, interesting, well, well, I was going to say, something interesting came up in your Green News report today, Jesse Toy, <laughs> and I don't mean to suggest that it's not always interesting, <laughs> but uh, something that caught me off guard, in fact, yes. uh, that I, I want to uh, share a few more thoughts on um, on afterwards. So let's, uh, let's do it, and then we will come back with some additional thoughts, including from Trey Crowder, The liberal redneck on all of this, right after our latest Green News report. This morning
0: we declared a national emergency for only the third time in our history. Back-to-back extreme weather disasters trigger national state of emergency in New Zealand. There's many, many ways in which the ice can change, and we're seeing all of them. New studies find global warming is melting Antarctica's ice, Plus...
4: This train apparently was not considered a high-hazardous material train. Uh, This is absurd.
0: Growing concerns about safety for residents near Ohio chemical train derailment. All of those concerns and more straight
1: ahead from
0: Bradblog.com.
1: I'm Brad Friedman.
0: And I'm Desi Doyen.
1: Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics analysis, and snarky comment. So where's the EPA? If they say my plastic straw is destroying this country, then they must be all over a cancer-causing gas bomb in the Ohio River Valley, right? Really what we
3: have to do is we have to make sure that our rails are safe.
1: Uh, wait a minute. Why is Fox News and Marjorie Taylor Greene suddenly concerned about the EPA and toxic train spells? We'll discuss. And no, they don't say your plastic straw is destroying this country. This is your Green News Report. Desi Doyen, this is very, very strange. It's like someone flipped a switch. Everybody over on Fox News is suddenly concerned about this train derailment and disaster in Ohio. Why
0: is that? Well, I think it's following a familiar pattern. Right-wing media and Republican politicians are attempting to exploit a disaster for political gain, claiming that rural white conservatives are basically being persecuted by the government's response to the (laughs) Ohio train derailment.
1: It's those poor white people who are getting it again. I see why Fox News all of a sudden gives a damn. They're usually not concerned about the EPA and, by the way, it was Trump who rolled back Obama's safety regulations on trains that might have prevented this disaster.
0: Exactly. So to update, concerns are growing about safety for residents returning to their homes in the aftermath of that fiery, toxic chemical train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, nearly two weeks ago. Ohio officials have told residents to use bottled water until testing confirms that their local water supply is safe. In a press conference, Republican Ohio Governor Mike DeWine called it absurd that the train cars were marked... Non-hazardous despite their toxic cargo DeWine called on Congress To tighten regulations for trains Carrying hazardous substances Seemingly unaware that the Trump administration rolled back Multiple train safety rules At the railroad industry's request Including requirements for Safer braking systems
1: Unaware or would just like to not notice.
0: As of airtime, DeWine has not requested a formal disaster declaration from President Biden to release more federal resources, contradicting baseless right-wing media claims of a lackluster federal response. In New Zealand, just weeks after record rainfall triggered deadly flooding in Auckland, a massive cyclone, Gabrielle, this week caused widespread destruction across the North Island, triggering floods and landslides, collapsing buildings and destroying transportation, power and communications infrastructure. New Zealand Prime Minister Chris Hipkins declared a national emergency for only the third time in the country's history. New Zealand's Climate Minister James Shaw blasted the New Zealand Parliament For its delays. I don't think I've ever felt as sad or as angry about the lost decades that we spent bickering and arguing about whether climate change was real or not, whether it was caused by humans or not, whether it was bad or not, whether we should do something about it uh, or not, because it is clearly uh, here now. Uh, And if we do not act, it will get worse.
1: New Zealand is just having a terrible, terrible time with this.
0: Two major disasters. In just the last few weeks. Yes, it's very difficult to recover from that. At the South Pole, the amount of floating sea ice encircling Antarctica has reached the lowest level ever recorded for the second year in a row since the satellite era began in 1979. That's according to the National Snow and Ice Data Center. In a different study, scientists trying to understand how quickly ice in Antarctica is melting say they encountered, quote, an eerily warm ocean and found that the warming ocean and marine heat waves are eroding coastal ice shelves and carving up the underside of the important Thwaites Glacier, with major implications for rising sea levels.
1: Yeah, like enough ice, if it melts, it'll raise the sea levels by about two feet around the world.
0: Finally, a bit of good news. Your next washing machine and refrigerator will be much cheaper to operate in a few years thanks to new energy efficiency rules proposed by the U.S. Department of Energy, the first efficiency upgrade to major appliances in more than 10 years. Once finalized, the agency says the new efficiency rules will reduce carbon emissions and collectively save Americans about $3.5 billion a year on energy and water bills.
1: oh uh, let the complaining begin on fire news of how they're coming to take away their washing machines or something for much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com i'm brad friedman
0: and i'm desi doyan and this has been
1: your green news report
2: you're a clean machine you sparkle in the sun you're a clean machine.
1: Do you, uh, uh Desi, do you have any doubt that Fox News is going to throw another fit about washing machines? That the Biden administration is coming for your washing machines?
0: Oh, of course they're going to. That's what they do. That's they, what they do. They hate do. regulations of all kinds unless they can exploit those regulations or lack thereof and some way to attack Democrats.
1: Right. Unless the regulations are in Florida that, you know, prevent teachers from talking about certain things. And, uh, <laughs> but. So I want to jump back uh, quickly to that uh, point at the beginning. This is very weird. It really is like someone turned on a switch and all of a sudden Fox News and everyone on the right all at once has decided they're furious about this Ohio train derailment, this uh, terrible chemical release of chemicals. It's horrible in this town. We have been yelling for about uh, two weeks now that, you know, the media is not paying attention to it.
0: Yes, and they are lying to their viewers when they say, oh, the federal government isn't there. That's not true. The federal government is there. The media is there. The local media has been doing a fantastic job of covering it. And, And, of course, there are problems with the response and those will be investigated. But, you know, Fox News doesn't care about that. What they're trying to do is make it sound like somehow white rural people are being persecuted in some fashion and that this was done on purpose to them. And, of course, none of that is true. Here's
1: the full clip of Marjorie Taylor Greene. You heard just a little bit of it at the top of the Green News report there in the snarky comment. But here's what she said.
3: But we have people like Ilhan Omar. She wants to, you know, crack down on corporate greed when it comes to rails and the privately owned sections of rails. But really what we have to do is we have to make sure that our rails are safe. Yes.
1: Uh, But the reason the rails aren't safe is because of the corporate greed that the rail companies fought like hell to overturn regulations under the uh, Trump administration, the regulations that the Obama administration had put in place. So for Marjorie Taylor Greene to all of a sudden be furious about what's going on in Ohio. Oh, it's not about corporate greed. It's about rail safety. Same thing, lady. Anyway... I wish they gave a damn about all of those poor black people in Flint, Michigan, for all of those years who had lead in their water pipes. Yeah,
0: and I'm pretty sure we haven't heard them giving a peep about any of the, I don't know, 20 or so really serious chemical and oil train explosions that have occurred in the last 10, 15 years. They said nothing about that. They
1: didn't care. I want to give the last word on this today to political comedian, commentator, Tennessee-born, YouTube sensation Trey Crowder, who describes himself as a liberal redneck. He had some thoughts on the Ohio chemical train explosion, uh, which he released, I believe, before, well before Fox News and the right wingers decided for whatever reason that they gave a damn about this disaster. Whether or not they're ready to jump on board the Trey Crowder train on this one, well, that remains very much to be seen.
4: Hey, y'all. I think the tragic train derailment in East Ohio is an appropriate indicator of the current status of this capitalist husk of a country. And the company behind it all, Norfolk Southern, they came out the gate handling things with a comically apathetic and heartless approach. They originally planned to give all the affected townspeople a $1,000 convenience fee. To be fair to them, I imagine watching everything you've ever known go up in chemical flames is probably pretty inconvenient. But the number they landed on is very telling, I think. I just picture them in the boardroom like, okay, sir, we're going to have to give these people something, all right? Now, the question you have to ask yourself is, what is the value of the entire life and livelihood of one Rust Belt trailer person? Hmm. Uh, thousand bucks. Yeah, I mean, after all, how much brick-shaped cheese do these people need to buy? <laughs> You know, yeah, let's go with that. Oh, hey, could you put a provision in there that says they have to physically come in and get the check? That way we can have them kneel down and be slapped across the face in accordance with company policy. All right, thanks. The whole thing is horrific and it's come with a lot of finger pointing, of course. Who's to blame? Is it Biden, Buttigieg, Big Train? I think it's the same toxic, roiling lifeblood that's been coursing through this country's veins since at least the damn cotton gin corporate greed. How much clearer of a message could they send that they will never value you over profit? They will never do the right thing. They must be forced at legislative gunpoint to conduct themselves otherwise. And I don't know who's going to do it. I'm not going to act like the Democrats do a good job of standing up to big business, all right? In fact, I assume they've developed a chronic and serious back condition due to all the years of bending over they've done, okay? But at least the Democrats are not openly antagonistic to two of the only forces that do work in opposition to this bullshit: unions and regulations, all right? Before Congress shut their strike down, the Rail Workers Union tried to warn us about this. They were like, guys, they're cutting corners everywhere, no regards to safety, it's going to end bad, And we collectively responded to that like, all right, why don't you put your striped hat on and go back to pulling the choo-choo whistle? Okay, thanks. And look at us now. Right. And regulations, they may be a boring topic, but regulations are the only thing standing between us and a world of neon rivers and canned meat that tastes suspiciously like Uncle Randy. All right. And that's the future the companies want. okay? And while the Democrats aren't standing in their way enough, the Republicans are rolling out the green carpet for them. All right. Their interests are completely aligned on this stuff. The Republicans are openly and actively trying to abolish unions, gut the EPA, roll back child labor laws and increase the retirement age. All right. So working people look at that. Look at what's going on in East Ohio right now. Then look me in the eyes and tell me you still believe they're on your side. Love y'all. (laughs)
1: Excellent. That was Trey Crowder. You can uh, follow him, of course, on Twitter and uh, at his own website, TreyCrowder.com. Trey is spelled T-R-A-E. But boy, he nails it. Uh, Yeah, it is about corporate greed and uh, the fact that nothing will be done about it unless they are forced to uh, at legislative gunpoint, as he says.
0: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, I mean, that is that has been the Republican mantra for decades, literally decades now, to dismantle all regulations that hold back corporations and require them to put people over profits.
1: Now that uh, Fox News has decided to be angry about the uh, Ohio train derailment, do you suppose they'll have Trey Crowder on to talk about it? I doubt it. For some reason, I doubt it, too. All right. Anyway, we got to get out. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyne, to my guest today, Keith Barber of Medium.com, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It is always greatly appreciated and an honor. If you missed any portion of today's program or any other going back to the beginning of time, you can download all of them for free at Bradblog.com, where there is no paywall. Why? Because of those of you who support our work at bradblog.com slash donate thank you for that and on behalf of everyone who doesn't i thank you as well if you'd like to drop me an email i am bradcast at bradblog.com on the facebooks and the twitters and the mastodons i am the brad blog we will see you there until we see you here next time i'm brad friedman good luck world